Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, and welcome back, Chelsea fans. Uh, I'm assuming you're all Chelsea fans if you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Uh, as you can see here, Nick, Dan, joining me per usual, my co-hosts. It took me about 37 minutes, Nick, to unbury my desk after just piling all my crap on it from from London. So I did it, though. Here here we are, back home in the comforts of our residences, back in America. America, yeah. Drinking a beer. Look at you. Couldn't be more American than that. When Um, when in Rome, some philosophers say. Oh, God, please stop. (laughs) Nope. No, they don't. Um, yeah, no, it's it's nice to be back home. Nice to sleep in my own bed, Dan. It's It's been... We, we had a, a burn the candle at both ends eight days, and uh, still recovering. Yeah, I, I got to learn what work was again. That, that, that great, will hit Bob. you fast after 10 days away. Uh, logging back into the old email and uh, just seeing the notifications overwhelm any reasonable person. But here we are on a Wednesday night because... It's Champions League, right? No more of this Thursday night crap. Uh, it is all roses and rainbows from here because we're in the Champions League. So let's get down to brass tacks. It is the match review going on for Lille today. And so to, to set the scene for you a little bit, the overall theme is going to be building momentum. It was resiliency, but we, we've changed that because uh, that was last weekend. We've moved on to... Uh, building something here. 
so today's topics: how the birthday boy Tammy Abraham gave everyone else a present. I'm sure he enjoyed it as well. I'm uh, going to be talking about Tomori's continued rise plus Keppa's heroics versus a more impressive than most assumed Leo. Uh, I think most of us, if we were honest, were surprised at just how good Leo were today. And then we'll talk about Lampard's in-game management, good, bad, or indifferent. We'll have a little debate around that. Uh, and then we'll talk about William coming to good to shock the doubters and silence the haters. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of keyboard warriors had to uh, clam up a little bit on that one. Uh, so again, iTunes reviews, Dan, not now, but we promise this weekend. Yeah, so if you've been delaying, if you're a new listener, get the iTunes or the Apple Podcast review in now. So when we read them after the Southampton match this weekend, before uh, you know, before that gets in, get it in then, and we'll get it talked about on the next pod. And we're going to double up with Patreon as well, so uh, brace yourselves. There might be a couple. Uh, Nick, your turn real quick before we get into the match review. Uh, we still have some cool contests and, and and deals for our listeners don't we yeah so <laughs> see what happened was um, <laughs> uh I, I promoted let's just say a couple weeks ago uh, before we left for london that we were going to do a world soccer shop giveaway thing and um you know look uh travel and work and everything kind of got in the way and i apologize for not putting this out we will get that out asap by the time uh, you uh, are listening to the show tomorrow. It will be up on Twitter and Instagram. We are looking for the three best kind of stories around Chelsea's 2012 Champions League run. Uh, we are doing kind of a little mini uh, pod special series on, on that run, and we want to get some great fan content. So uh, the rules will be listed, but you can leave a voice comment and anchor. You can uh, leave comments on Instagram and Twitter and we're kind of looking for the best or most unique stories that really bolster this series. Uh, your reward, should you choose to accept it, uh, would be uh, we have all three home, away, and third kits um, that that are size large, uh, unprinted, so you can print whoever you want on the back that we will give to the top three. So that is in progress from our friends at World Soccer Shop, and then obviously Talisman Caps uh, code London Blue Ten for thirty. Uh, 10% off $35 or more. Uh, we should have a new contest coming soon with them as well on some new merch. So uh, all good stuff, Brandon, although I'm a little tardy in the execution. That's all right. I'm sure our, our fans will give you a little bit of, of I guess, some, some slack on that since we're giving away three free kits. So they win on that one. Uh, lastly, you know, anytime... Awesome things happen inside our community. We want to shout them out. So Zane, our boy, we met in London. We also met our girl, Tiana, when they came and met up on one of our very first trips. They got married. So uh, Zane, I was uh, giving you a hard time because you kept posting about it on Instagram. To just hurry up and get married. You did it. So huge congrats to you two. We couldn't be happier for the both of you and wish you all the best, especially as you are Michigan fans. And I just hope that it gets better uh, from here on out. So anyways, huge congrats out to you guys. If there's other things that are going on in your lives or other li lives that you know of uh, Blues fans, let us know. We, we love to celebrate those kinds of things because that's what we're about. So uh, no further delay, match review time, Champions League edition. We're in France. We're in Lille, all right? We're playing 
in France at Lille. Uh, saw a lot of travel updates today. It seemed like quite a few people, Dan, made made the trek. Um, and specifically, after a Lille 1, Chelsea 2 result, we can confirm who made the trek from Chelsea, can't we? Uh, we can. That is, uh, that is accurate. So the starting lineup, as Brandon is getting us into it, was Kepa in the back. We had a starting back three of Tomori, Zuma, and Aspilicueta. We saw Marcus Alonso, Jorginho, Conte, and Reese James as the midfield who? four. What's Reese James? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, I am shocked as well. And then Mason Mount William is a two behind the Tammy Abraham number nine up top birthday boy in the nine spot. We also saw a bench of Andres Christensen, Pedro, who did make an appearance, Willie Caballero, Kovacic also made an appearance, Olivier Giroud and Mishi Batshuayi as unused substitutions, and Callum Hudson-Odoi, who got a Champions League uh, opportunity as well. So, yeah, just a, a really interesting lineup, not what we were expecting, and amazing opportunity for some of these young players, Nick, to get their first shot, their debut in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I, I was the one uh, last week uh, complaining about the squad rotation and, you know, minutes and all, all these matches that are coming up over the next couple months. I mean, it's just a, it's a hard slate. Um, you know, October, November, December, just really hard. And there's a lot of, of matches going on. So, uh, most of me was happy to see some rotation um, from the weekend. Uh, you know, bringing Zuma in, uh, bringing Reese James in, kind of slotting Espilicueta back so he's playing in a back three. I think those were all great. Um, you know, Ingolo Conte coming back, you just fucking pray that he's not going to continue to be off and on and off and on. Uh, and then, you know, certainly the front three kind of seems solidified at this point um, in terms of of any formation that we're kind of playing. So yeah, Brendan, I felt pretty good about it. Um, I, you know, frankly had not done a whole lot of studying on Lille and their, and their tendencies, if I'm completely honest, but you know, if Chelsea are playing, I feel pretty, pretty solid about this team right now. Well, a few names that are probably, probably be familiar. Jose Font, who played Southampton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the bench, you actually have Renato Sanchez. Yeah, jeez, uh, yeah. that was a, Grace, that was a huh? shocker. You know, uh, on loan, I believe, but not great from him. And then look, Loic Remy, former Blue. All right, he's at Lille. Obviously, didn't make an appearance today, uh, but I do want to round it out and and wish Mishi a happy birthday as well, as he got to share the day with Tammy. So uh, unfortunately, no minutes on his birthday. Frank is a uh, a stone cold killer in that sense. Uh, results only. So some top-line stats, uh, 11 shots, uh, 3 on target for Chelsea, 7 and 3 for Lille. Chelsea with an overwhelming 63% possession. Uh, One yellow card each, and that's about it. Uh, So the first thing we want to jump into is is a little bit interesting, Dan, here, is we've got some insights into into this match. Um, So kind of set the scene here for us before we dive into our talking points. Well, just the the one we want to leave with, because the others, I think highlight some of the points we'll make later in the episode but Chelsea ended a run of four games without a win in the Champions League two draws two losses picking up their first victory in the competition since November 2017 which was a 4-0 victory versus Karabag and that was shocking to see I mean obviously we have spent a little time outside the Champions League so there haven't been a ton of matches since the last time we were in it until now 
but uh, clearly nice to see a little momentum as we kind of highlighted as the theme of this episode starting to build uh, within the league, within the Carabao Cup competition, and now the Champions League competition, which uh, should set us on, hopefully, or put us in the right direction. All right. Well, that's just hearing it. That sounds like a very, very long time ago. Obviously, Antonio Conte was at the reins then. Uh, we had who Atletico Madrid and someone else in our group. Um, but yeah, that's that's a little too long for comfort. So glad we got that monkey off our back. So first talking point. Happy birthday, Tammy. Congrats, big man. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about his performance today. Uh, you know, personally, I picked up his his uh, team of the week card today in FIFA Ultimate Team. I've just been playing with his regular version, and he was banging them in. So I was like, why not just upgrade and get an even better version? And here's the deal with Tammy. Opta Joe tweeting, one, Tammy Abraham's goal, assisted by Fakayo Tomori, was Chelsea's first in the Champions League, scored and assisted by two English players since March of 2012, when Frank Lampard set up John Terry against Napoli. And we remember that goal, especially as we're talking about this uh, 2012 series. We've been reliving that. And then more specifically about Tammy, 22. Tammy Abraham is the second Englishman to score on his birthday in the UEFA Champions League after Raheem Sterling did it for Man City against Borussia Mönchengladbach back in December 2015. Talk about candles for him. What an exciting day. But Nick, uh, striker time. Tammy continues to get the start, continues to get the minutes. There's no rest for this guy. Uh, And with his goal, I think he was surprised that ball made it to him, one. But his ability to trap it and then just turn and bury was fantastic. Yeah, I think it's probably his most impressive finish to this point. Um, You know, Fakayo gets the the credit for the assist on that one, and um, and, and while it was a absolute rocket um, straight at Tammy, he had a lot to do with it. And uh, I think when you looked at the the slow mo replay that was shown, kind of looking directly at him as he took the took the ball on, I mean, it was it was a lot just to bring it under control, and then it was an even better turn and kind of soft finish into the upper right-hand corner and gave the goalkeeper uh, very little chance uh, in that moment. Of, of course, he was a little fortunate to be held on by a really lax today's goal right back, I think, or left back. But uh, still, it, it took all the skill in the world to, to take that opportunity, take that chance. And I mean, Dan, uh, Frank is just playing the the hottest hand he has right now or the hottest hands he has in, in Tamori and Abraham, and they, they're linking up, they're playing well, and there's not a whole lot you can do. Well, I'm just wondering when Tammy's chest will get its own airport code because he's letting those things land on there and bringing them down perfectly almost all the time. Like he, the way that he's placing his back to the defender to chest down those balls, retain control, keep momentum, distribute it out. It, it was everything that we were praising Giroud for last season, but he's also finding ways to consistently finish that we were looking for. You know, eight goals now in 11 matches. Um, it, it's, there's, uh, sorry, 11 goals, eight matches. I mean, uh, he's just you know, having an exceptional time of it, an exceptional run of form. And I think as long as he can stay healthy, which is going to be the challenge for 
all of these players. You know, we have a bit of a talisman up front right now. And again, we were asking the question at the beginning of the season, Brandon, where were the goals going to come from? And surprise, surprise, Tammy Abraham is the one who's delivering today. With consistency, too. And I think we talked about it a little bit because he scored so many, we continuously bring him up and, and discuss his his performances. Like, again, this is another different finish for him. <laughs> um, he was able to quickly kind of do a quick step over, face up to the goalkeeper. And from there, it was place it, away from him don't kick it at him right let's not do that thing that you know we don't want our strikers to do uh and he absolutely buried it Uh, a little unlucky for mason who happened to be two feet away and was also wide open and ready to score but it just wasn't his day and he had a chance right after that where he was in a great position uh but he got blocked at the last second um and again like that could have been a fick to tammy fick to mason just these guys are continuously finding each other and it's that chemistry of playing with each other for over 10 years now uh and i think that that's just so fantastic but to see tammy take this opportunity continuously you know run with it you know the champions league is it that's a new milestone for him right like hasn't scored in the champions league yet that's a new thing for him um it's just it's great to see because we know strikers it's a confidence game and you know he he didn't score against brighton um didn't play against grimsby didn't score against liverpool you know that was a a run of matches he didn't score and he's back in it today and so that's just great to see um i think that uh, you know, I said a couple of his chest traps stay out of the air, Nick. Obviously, they're Drogba-esque, um, but his link-up play is growing way quicker than I thought at the beginning of the season. Um, part of that is the system and knowing where the runner's going to be, but uh, I think his all-around game is what is is growing the quickest because we saw that at Brighton. He was an enabler against Brighton and Liverpool while we were there watching him in person rather than just being a goal threat, which is brilliant. Yeah, and he, he grew into the game today, too, which I, I was very pleased by. I mean, he has faded. You know, it's been a, a very valid criticism of him early in the season is that, you know, he had a had or has a really good 65, 70 minutes in him, and then the, the results kind of fade after that. But I think he was strong in this game. I think he ended up... Um, growing into the game, I think he held the ball up well. I think he got fouled a shit ton that that weren't called um, by this referee, and you know I think he toughed it out today. And, and again, you know, the confidence piece is one hundred percent correct. I think it's just for him, kind of understanding the levels too, Dan, of playing in the Champions League versus playing in the Premier League versus playing, you know, maybe in the FA Cup or Carabao Cup. These are all going to present different challenges. Leo played a much different style today. They looked to, to hit on the counter. And so he was kind of isolated at times, and that's different than how he's been playing in the Premier League. It's just about the matter of, I think you're right, becoming accustomed to how we play in different avenues and different venues and different competitions. But I think it's just continuing to be confident around taking the shots that are presented to them. I almost feel like... As I watch his game, I tend to get less shades of Drogba and more shades of like Aubameyang where 
he's willing to link up, he'll float around, he'll kind of you know freelance into the appropriate positions, he'll draw defenders out of location. Yes, he's able to to chest it, to pick it up, to hold up, but he's also taking a high number of shots, and I think similar to like what Obama does, his high number of shots, because you can't score if you're not taking a high amount, so while conversion sometimes can be a little bit lower, he's going to put himself in opportunities to score you know, a lot of goals. And if he could get to that level, you know, Bobby Yang, I think, hasn't gone three games in three, four, five years without scoring. That would be an immense place for Tammy to be at, and that would be a, a top-level striker. And when you think about where we're going to need to go in the market next summer, not having to prioritize striker as number one, if Tammy is there, Brandon, just makes everything so much sweeter. It sure sure does. Uh, another one is is Tamori, right? So again, another Academy graduate who's come on and surprised us, just like Tammy has. It just how well he is playing. And again, Champions League is a big difference than Derby last season in the championship. So um, Newman, our buddy, at Nami Footy, on Twitter saying, I know some might question Tamori's performance because of that one terrible back pass, but apart from that, he was once again class today. Fire emoji. He had one assist, 100% of his tackles he won. He had one interception. He won two fouls, 87.5% passing accuracy, and the one brain fart. He's quickly becoming my favorite. And end quote, that is from Newman, the tactical master that analyzes teams and tactics. Check him out on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube if you don't. But, I mean, with Tamori, again, we've talked about this. He's not up for the tackle, Dan. He reads the game so brilliantly well defensively. Today, we even got a, a glimpse into him reading the game offensively for that assist. But again, wh- where does Tamori, or Fick, as his boys call him, where where is he impressing you the most right now? I would say the way that he is closing down space and then in turn advancing the ball. So there's been a lot of times where he is not allowed play to slow down he'll recover the ball and look to do a quick turn play it back forward press the ball forward very comfortable coming out with the ball and doesn't have to look for the first pass because he's afraid of what might happen if the ball lingers at his feet too often so I think when we talked about it at the beginning of the season we wanted someone in our center back pairing who was going to be very comfortable on the ball, who was going to be able to move it forward offensively with a high level of comfort, while also being able to fill the baseline requirements of being a center back. And I think at this point, Nick, number one on the depth chart for Chelsea, pretty much without any question. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't seen Rudiger play enough this year to to know that. I mean, I think I think Vicayo of all the performances this year has been the most consistent, and he's been very very good. Um, today was no exception to that. Uh, he is either in a back three or a back four, doing a really good job on the left hand side of making sure that Marcus Alonso 
is comfortable, is able to track back. They're able to, you know, switch if an overlap happens very easily. And I think that might be, you know, in addition to his leaping ability, his ability to win aerial duels, his passing and all the stuff, Brandon, I think to me, making Marcus Alonso not look isolated is, is maybe his greatest achievement because the balance is there, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeing balance on both sides right now. And, you know, same could go with this Pilaqueta on the other side. You know, if, if Christensen or even today Zuma or Aspi are playing there, um, you know, and, and bouncing with, with a, a right wing back like Reese, the, the balance is starting to show up. I mean, there's still a huge question of of set pieces, which are not Fakayo's sole responsibility to defend all of the all of the, uh, the set piece balls in the box. But I, I think he's just been outstanding. And, you know, I, I'm very much in the in the same way Mason, same way Tammy have grown into games. You're just seeing this utter confidence and almost just, you know, turning his nose up to the idea of him being young and not being able to handle this, which I, I love. Well, I actually am going to push it right back to you, Nick, because kind of like Lampard doesn't want to always talk about the youth. You tweeted about Aspie, and this is the same player uh, who was having his head called for saying he should be cut, stripped of the captaincy. Dude is low-key having a really good run of games. And I agree with you. That's why I want to you know, kind of push it right back to you and, and give him some praise as well. Yeah. It, you know what's interesting about Aspi is you know, for his entire career, he's been seen as kind of like a glue guy. Maybe not the most vocal leader. Maybe not a captain leader legend. Um Maybe not even the best right back on a, on any given Chelsea team or, or left back, but he's been so consistent. And I think when he has lacked consistency over the past few seasons, that it's it's really seemed odd because that's kind of been his his hallmark. We said on this show when he was going through a really tough run of games, when he was asked to be pressed really high and then drop way deep to defend, and he was making errors. That's probably not how he's going to be most successful as a right back at, at 30 years of age. You know, I think that's pretty obvious. There has been a tactical change, which I think suit both him and whoever is playing left back, that the progression up the field has been a little bit more methodical. So it's not having to cover so much ground at a you know at one time or another or only one of them are going as to not leave the gaps because Virginia is just not fast enough to make up, you know, enough to push back. So in addition to, I think, some coaching things that are happening from Lampard, Dan, I think Aspie's just shown up. And to me, that's what I called for back in August. I, I was hoping that he would really respond, and I think he has, honestly. Well, I also think that he benefited from the pace of Reese being able to come in and look most of the part. I think he got challenged a little bit by the pace of some of Lille's defenders, obviously picked up a yellow card in the match, which then they kind of came at him a little bit more. Obviously offered a ton offensively, could have assisted a goal for Jorginho that went off the post in the game, but looked bright in a, a first appearance, definitely with some notes that he's going to have to crib and take forward and 
take on board so that he can continue to improve. But that type of pairing, and a ba- if we run with a back three, Asby has plenty of career left in a back three where Reese James is ahead of him. I, I think that pairing and that connectivity is strong. I, I don't think it's, I mean, I think it's really tough to look at Asby's last five games where Reese has played one of them with him and say like, oh yeah, it's Reese. Like, Aspie's played pretty well, and he played pretty well the three matches that we were there in person. Uh, and I think he played, you know, well in a loss against Valencia. If I'm honest, like t- to me, it's not just having the ability to like point at another guy and say like, "Aha, there's the reason Aspie's playing well." I think he's just playing better. And well, I mean, I think the but the enough. same point was being made about Marcus Alonso and Tomori, right? And how Tomori, be- is, you know, is being called better for helping eliminate an issue with Alonzo. Like, Alonzo's also not playing terrible, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, Alonzo really is playing much better than I think people would expect. And you know, everybody has kind of forgotten that Emerson's actually out injured. Like, no one is saying, oh, I can't wait till Emerson gets back. I think everybody has kind of gone on to this issue of, like, why Pulisic is, or isn't, is not or isn't playing. And, I mean, if that's the worst issue we have to deal with right now in terms of the type of conversation that's going on, I think that's a really positive place to be in because ultimately, like, winning three matches in a row across three different competitions, keeping one clean sheet amongst them, scoring goals from multiple players, that's all positive things. And I, I get, I concede the point that, like, James isn't the only reason Aspie's doing better, but I think what we saw today is that he can continue to be even better and benefit by having a really strong partnership with Reese James. Yeah, look, I mean, it it's not as simple as, as these guys are magic bolts. Like, Tamori is not the reason Alonzo is having success. James is not the reason Aspie is having success. I mean, these guys are professionals. They're figuring out, like, the team's getting better because there's more chemistry, understanding Lampard's system. All these things are playing huge factors into it the great part of it is all these guys are thriving in it. And that is a manager's dream. And Frank should get credit for that. Uh, I'm going to try to move through these next two pretty quick, uh, but a huge shot to Keppa. I know his distribution was um, underwhelming today, but overall his uh, aggressiveness coming off the line and really, um, you know, putting his influence on the game was massive had some big saves to, to keep Chelsea in it. Um, and so, again, I think just a, a point to give him some praise as well. Uh, and obviously him being a part of the, the defensive unit. The, the back line left him stranded a couple of times today. And I think he, he did a very good job, Brandon, of reading some of these fast breaks that, that Lille were trying to put on where they would essentially – backlog and leave as much space between their back line and and their front three as possible and just hope to hit a long one and and catch Chelsea out 3v2. And they did that a couple of times, and he read the game really well. So I think it's a credit to him. Yeah. No. I mean, he's very mobile, unlike Tebow, right? Like, that is, again, a a strength he has in his game. So the next one— He doesn't get subbed at halftime, just a quick— Quick note on him. It helps if you don't. He doesn't suck. let himself get subbed at all. That's that's to be fair. <laughs> also, a great point. Uh, so Shane in Discord asked me specifically to to explain zonal marking, and I'll try to keep this as concise as I can. Um, but the kind of the funny thing about this is, if you think about it, you zonal mark all over the field, 
All right. This isn't basketball. You don't play man to man down the field. We don't play a two. Unless you're Mourinho and Eden Hazard. <laughs> right. Um, you put under Herrera uh, inside his shorts. Um, but no, this is it's a zonal game. And so I think you have to kind of think about that. Set pieces are different. Um, but zonal marking is the idea which we failed to do today uh, is to crowd the areas where you are most likely to score and you give up the areas where you're least likely to score. And DPZ had a great tweet today that says, it doesn't matter if you zonal mark or man mark if you miss time your jump of the ball. Zuma, unfortunately, did not time it well at all. He was coming down as the ball was going past him. And, you know, the defender on the backside of that attacker is never going to win that. Yeah, I mean, Tomori um, was, was struggling to kind of catch up to where Zuma wasn't. Yeah, and that's not his responsibility. So unfortunately, it was the reading of the ball is which uh, which undone, undid undone Chelsea today, um, and that's a that's a an individual error. Sadly, it wasn't a system error. But again, with zonal marking, we tried to own the six and push people further out to get their opportunities um, and try to just limit the danger. Well, we also hasn't, saw hasn't gone well though, as you as we all can see. I mean, it's woeful, Dan. It's woeful. It's Come bad. On. But uh, here's the other thing: we also had eight corners in total, and this was the one that we gaffed on. And yes, it sucks and it's unfortunate, but it, it's really it is a team failing. It's not necessarily not today. It wasn't. Mm, I mean, Zuma I, Zuma messed up. Zuma missed time the jump, but I, I also like what does Tamori do? behind to help with the kind of marking of the individual that's coming into that area but he's got a different zone so like if you break it up into a grid from a defensive standpoint the motto is you don't let the ball get past you so nick's favorite example is opposing teams when william takes a corner kick they don't let the ball go past them because that's the number one rule of defending. Also, Same thing. William doesn't let the ball go <laughs> past them. And the point is that that's Zuma's responsibility to get up there and clear it. He was tall enough to do it. He just mistimed it. And so that's where, unfortunately, the individual broke down in the system. Now, there are other times where the system has failed, where the pro- where you get the breakdowns in the zonal marking is, two players in the same space and they don't know who's going to go for it that breakdown in communication or reading your teammates play um that's another one that we've seen many times this season but again the the idea is to limit the chances in and around the six it's also a little zonal marking is an interesting concept if it works correctly but what i think most most teams who are physical enough to take advantage of it realize is that it's way different to get a to have a really nice leap and a chance at a header um, when you're not being guarded essentially in a man to man situation like you would in basketball. It's a lot easier to take a three if you're unguarded, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you know. I think it's a lot easier to get a running jump start if no one is kind of crowding your area. So a lot of these guys are getting a free run into a zone that Chelsea are like, no, this is you know, Zuma zone, I'm going to leap up and just head the ball and there's going to be no, uh, nothing to do. Uh, it, right. it is a little bit different. I think we are getting burned on some of those opportunities because you're, you're just supposed to be guarding space instead of a person. And again, I think that 
you know, if a Ruben comes back, maybe we can switch to man to man. I definitely think our lack of height is a, mm-hmm. is a part of the reason that um, we are in a zone versus a man to man. I don't think this is like a a cut and dry Maurizio Sarri situation where I only play zone. That's it. It can't keep going on like this though, Dan. Like, I mean, I understand the logic for it, but we are getting worked over on set pieces more often than not. And it's been this way for a couple of years now, not just this season. There has to be some adjustment made or or different personnel marking different zones or, or something, because it's just, it's not working. That's fair to say. I mean, I, I think the point that Brandon makes around the height is probably the, mo- the most astute one. I mean, when you look at the fact that, was it Alonzo, Tammy, Zuma, Tamori? I think those are the only individuals on the pitch over six feet. Is Tamori over six feet? No, uh, he's maybe six foot. We got Tammy. Like I said, you, you've got... It's about leaping ability, though, too. It's not just about height. I mean, and determination, the fight, right? right. Like an Aspie can battle a six foot four guy, even though he's nowhere close. Well, that's what I'm saying, though, is like, especially if you're getting free runs and these guys have all the ability to run and jump, which will likely get them, you know, higher and further than they would have from a standstill. It's just, I think it's a lot more difficult to justify even like the size thing because, like, if, if Mason is is crowding a guy three inches taller than he is, sure, he might not win that jump regardless. But it's going to make it a hell of a lot harder on that other guy. Like I would be interested to see if they tried man-marking for a game, how it went. If it was total shit, then I'll shut the fuck up about it. But I, I just don't see the results, and it, the results are the only thing that matters. Yep, absolutely. So, well, obviously, I'm sure the way it's gone so far... We'll continue to let this be a, a running conversation that you know we try to address as it comes up, but um, we're going to keep the conversation moving. We're actually going to take a really quick break, and when we get back, it'll be all about uh, Lampard's game management. I'm talking about William a little bit, and then obviously a little Pulisic watch because, I mean, it just wouldn't be a party if we didn't talk about Pulisic at this point. So, again, thank you to these sponsors. Uh, we'll be right back with more. All right, so next on the agenda is how was Lampard's performance tonight after three straight wins? That's right, people. They are on a three-match win streak. So, Dan, how do we feel about his subs, the whole clean sheets are for this timid strategy of just goals, 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 who cares about defending? Um, How did it go today for Frank? What was your kind of opinion on it? It's a away win in the Champions League which is not an easy thing to come by, especially if you look at, you know, I mean, unless you're Byron and you go play Tottenham. Uh, I mean, that's apparently the easiest way to win in the Champions League away. Uh, I will say it was a good performance. I think that the rotation was good to see some players uh, get a little bit of, of mix in. You know, I think the... Some of the subs were great. I think Callum coming on really changed the game. I think Pedro coming on to, uh, you know, refresh after, you know, William was given the right amount of time to to come good and obviously, you know, gets the winner for us, uh, comes off, you know, more, you know, very, very late in the match. And then uh, I think Kovacic maybe could have come on after that goal for Mount, who looks like he was, you know, running out of steam a little bit there and obviously has been, a little bit of the the talisman player for Frank Lampard so far. I think overall, just really 
played a game effectively, played it to win, really gave the team an opportunity to possess the ball, move it quickly early on, uh, allow for some periods of, of, of rest and you know circulation so that the team wasn't losing steam as we've seen in some of the other matches this season. So while I think it looked flat at times, I think the team also had the energy in the second half, Nick, to come out and be a little bit more aggressive, be a little bit more assertive, and and still have energy to take the game to Lille and uh, not fade out of it in ways that maybe we've had previously this season. Yeah, I would say over the last three three matches specifically, but I, I would even say against Liverpool, which was a loss. Um, I think Lampard's in-game strategy, tactics, management has been much better. Um you, you could make a case that maybe we started a little bit too timidly against Liverpool, given how, you know, kind of average they were uh, in that game. And then we bossed the second half of that game and, and likely should have come out of that with at least a draw. You know, you watched, you know, how he kind of deployed the youngsters against Grimsby and how kind of fucking easy that was. You looked at Brighton being a whole different kind of game because Brighton did not care to play football at all. And... Chelsea were missing a hundred chances and he had to manage that game differently in the second half um, to get the couple goals um, that he did. So, you know, I think all of this matters and all the factors into today, which was a, you know, kind of a um, reverting back to a three, four, three and playing it, you know, a few new players, you know, Reese gets his Champions League debut, which is great. Um, You know, and and you kind of see some growth in some areas and, Again, I would look at the second half, Brandon. Lille were counterattacking like crazy in the first half, and Lampard basically shut that down tactically in the second half where they didn't have nearly as many uh, break opportunities. And that, to me, shows growth from him as a manager because if they would have been allowed to do that again in the second half, who knows what the score might be. Oh, yeah. I mean, Lille were just running at Chelsea at the end of the first half. I actually had one of my buddies text me said, Hey, over under two and a half goals in this Chelsea match. My my friend wants to place a bet, and I even hesitate. I was just like, it'll be over. I was like, almost guaranteed. Yeah, Chelsea are gonna score. Lille are gonna score, and then both teams will be pushing for three points. So I was like, you're it. You're you're. They're giving you two, and you just have to go from there. And sure enough, make- that's. That, that's what that's what it was in this match. Um, we, need, we need to make take the over shirts. <laughs> I like it. Don't steal that. All right, you know what I'm saying. Um, you know, but that that tightened up big time in the second half, like you said, and that was a huge tactical adjustment. Uh, you know, from a subs from a sub standpoint, you know, I think Callum was the feel good sub. I saw a couple of people actually talking about how massive of an impact he had right away over Mount. Um, okay, one, that's not Mount's natural position. And two, the dudes had way more minutes uh, than Callum. So I'm sure Callum's coming in a lot with a lot more freshness. Uh, you know, Mateo coming in, uh, obviously, was just to, you know, kind of protect uh, Reese James in that sense. Um, and then Pedron for William, I, I don't know, charity minutes at that point. I mean, I, I mean he changed <laughs> well, the formation. Well, William too. looked tight. William looked tight. And yeah. I think it was, you know, just more of right. a health I- thing. But yeah, I'm not saying like, oh no, it was a bad thing. I'm just like, at that point, you know, it's late in the game. You're just kind of, you know, like you said, just playing it safe at that point. I mean, these are almost Maurizio Sarri substitutions if you want to be really cynical about it, like for like all the way around. But that's okay. That, like, you're rotating, you're giving Mount, who's had big minutes, William, who's actually had a, quite a few minutes lately. And then obviously you had to protect Reese James, who 
like any freshman rookie does, was a little too excited out of the gates today. But overall, he was extremely positive on the day out. So I think, yeah. It's a change of formation, too. I mean, we have to realize that. Like, he did make an adjustment and said, like, hey, we're not getting enough forward right now to win this thing with 3-4-3. We need to make a readjustment. We need to push Conte further upfield because he was kind of – back a little bit and and i think it was great i mean those substitutions made a hell of a lot of sense well, it sucks uh, and, to see william and, go down and marcos uh looked good you know for that that stint in the the back four because we pushed it all to the back with sure. you know, reese coming off and i mean callum coming on you know he, he was the one who contributed the assist to william's goal so you know, he was finding ways to make an impact. It, I think, caught Leo a little bit off guard. I think they didn't know what to do when the formation shifted. And again, like that's that's plus positive points for, for Lampard. I think the last thing we need to do is at some point uh, keep a clean sheet uh, again under Lampard because uh, the stat right now is not great. So it's uh, 22%. In the 68 games that Frank Lampard has managed between Derby County and Chelsea in all comps, his team have only kept a clean sheet in 22% of their matches, 15 out of 68 vulnerable from Optijo. All right. Well, I think Frank just might be cut out for this after all, but it's still early. But these are good signs, good progress. Uh, the last player we definitely need to shout out because there are some big, big, big milestones today. Uh, it's time to put some respect on Williams' Champions League career here. Uh, 300th. Um, appearance for the Chelsea club. Match, yeah. Yep. Overall, which is amazing. And then Coral, I'm not sure if we're really should be supporting them, Dan, but uh, William has now scored as many Champions League goals as Ronaldinho at 18. And I love their second sentence, which says, not a stat you expected to see. Sure shit didn't, Dan. Uh, I mean, Ronaldinho is considered one of the greatest of all time. Someone who obviously was in a different position, but an extremely electric player. Look, 18 goals in the Champions League is no, as this stat shows, is no small feat. No joke. And, you know, I think there was some debate about whether or not William meant to take that goal. And I don't like getting too much into that because it went in. And so credit for for taking your shot and being in the right place at the right time. I think the way he looked at it, it, it looked intentional to to me. But, yeah, I mean, he he does a lot, and I, I think he's probably one of the more misunderstood players in this era you know, because people tend to read the body language, talk about his contribution, try to assess what happens off the field. And I think the, the only thing we can look at was what happens on the field. And... His ability to carry the ball forward, yes, he's not always great in the final third. He maybe takes it a little too too much on himself, tries to maybe do too much. Um, you know, Eden Hazard had that problem at times. The benefit for Eden Hazard is he more often than not would score the goal. So was Eden Hazard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate that he's taken on the number 10, that he's put in this effort to, to try to put maybe the team on his shoulders a little bit in this match. And I think credit to him for, for fighting through the adversity to make it happen today because, you know, without that goal, we have drawn. We have one point in the, the, the group. Valencia has three and Ajax has six. And we are very much looking at an almost 
must win every single game remaining in this group stage to advance Nick. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I was overall very, very happy with his performance today. I mean, if he doesn't score that goal uh, based on his first half performance, he probably gets, uh, you know, some pretty heavy criticism. Um, he had a really poor first half. And I know a goal will basically, you know, act as deodorant on that performance, but he hasn't been great this season. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at his performances. He has not been great. We haven't had a whole lot of production from that right-hand side this year or the left whenever they switch over or whatever. And I think for him to take the goal was, was really important for him. You know, his goal on Sunday or Saturday when we were there got a pretty big deflection uh, to, to kind of help it in. Uh, if, if there was a question about whether he meant this or not, he had basically loaded up to take that shot about five seconds before the ball landed and hit it perfectly with perfect technique into the goal. I mean, that's a, that's a dream strike off a, off a set piece. You, you see players do that all the time and very few execute on it. It wasn't even a set piece. Tammy literally just lobbed it into the box and sure, had no. to go no, right no. to him. Uh, I, I watched that back. Oh, sure. I watched that back and I'm just like, what a weird cross. Like it was super high. Just kind of just chucked it into the mixer you know, is is the uh, the <laughs> is the Brits would say, but he I tell you, his technique was spot on. It Perfect. went where he meant to hit it. It's not like Damn. it came off his shin and went sideways and just went in. Like he made really good contact on on it. So so much topspin on it. It was you watch the from the behind the goalkeeper angle where the goalkeeper is like looking at it and it just topspinned in. I mean, it was beautiful. Again, if you look at his total performance, it was not that great. And so, you know, him coming off with an injury now, given the rest of our injury concerns, you just hope it's not a significant one and that he's able to suit up again in a week or two. I mean, it looked like a hamstring just the way he was grabbing it. And I'm not a doctor, but that's kind of the universal sign, Brandon, of what what a hamstring injury looks like. And he basically quit in the middle of a counterattack and sat down. So I would assume it wasn't great. Yeah, that's usually when someone is in the midst of chasing down a ball and and pulls up. That's not a great sign. Uh, The other stat, this one from OptiJo saying 15. Since since making his Champions League debut for Chelsea in September of 2013, William has been directly involved in more goals than any other player for the club. 15. He's got 10 goals, 5 assists. I mean, Williams, he's had a long career, but he's, compared to everyone else, has produced the most, and, and you can't take that away from him. That might say more about Chelsea in that time than William, uh, but stats are stats. So, anyways, well Brandon's done. Brandon's new podcast, Stats Are Stats. <laughs> Bring it, Yannick. All right, we'll see how this goes, all right? <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up with just a super uh, unemotional topic about Christian Pulisic that is not (laughs) triggering anyone online. Um, Obviously, look, Christian hasn't played in five of the last six matches. A few of the people are up in arms. Dan, that's probably an understatement. Uh, There's quite a few people that are very much up in arms about this, which is a little weird, I'd say. Um, especially maybe now that the team are winning and seem a, a little bit settled, but 
Um, here it is. BR Football tweeted that Christian Pulisic in Chelsea's last six games, unused sub versus Wolves, unused subs, unused sub versus Valencia, unused sub versus Liverpool, got the full 90 minutes against Grimsby, unused sub versus Brighton, not in the squad versus Lille. Um, I guess give us your kind of brief take on this and, and yeah. Well, I, so I think there's two things. Uh, one is the reaction to his lack of playing time. And the other is, um, what he's done with the, the playing time he's had. Uh, what I would say is that the reaction is just overblown. It's stupid. It's a narrative being banded about to give people something to have a platform on an opinion on it's just it's it's ludicrous it's absolutely a waste of your time of anyone else's time to write up more tweets and more stories and post more videos and do more front-facing camera videos complaining and gesticulating and raising your voice tonally to complain about the lack of selection it's worthless. Like it is a worthless narrative because it all comes down to who is available to play the manager making the appropriate selections. And I will share with the fact that we won the Wolves match. We probably should have won the Liverpool match. We won against Grimsby. We won against Brighton. We won against Lille. Like as a Chelsea supporter, Nick, that is all that matters to me at the end of the day. Yes, as an American who was excited to see Christian come to the side, would I love to see him the starting 11 and be a instrumental part and integral part of the success right now? Sure. But that is, to me, secondary to us going out and winning matches for Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like, if you listen to anybody or any of our preseason pods, we thought this could likely happen. Now, I really, given the way he was featured in preseason and even in the first three matches of the season, I didn't think it would be in, you know, kind of missing the squad territory personally, although Michael Davis said that and kind of shocked me with that, and then it happened. So credit to him for being ahead of it. I think there are a couple of narratives at play with this discussion online. The first being that there is a group of Americans who are so desperate um, and, and I guess not just Americans, they're just a group of fans that are, are desperate to see him succeed and will raise hell until he's featured in the squad as if that's going to impact Frank's decision at all, which it will not. Spoiler alert. Um, there's also this group of people who are primarily American who are so jaded and so anti, you know, U.S. men's national team football that they are out there proactively slating Christian for not playing because they want to seem cool or hip to their British friends. And I also think these people are fucking morons too. Um, there, there can be a balance. I did a whole tweet stream on this. Go fucking read it. There could be a balance between wanting him to succeed and understanding that there could be a growth pattern here that could last four months, six months, a year. It, I, I don't know. He's never played at this level before. It will clearly be a challenge. He's even gone so far as to say, like, from uh, his interview on Sunday, he's frustrated, but he understood all along this was going to be the case, Brandon. So, I, I mean, I think it's, I think the overall narrative that I would give is just patience, but also it's fine to root for him. Just it can't be at the, you can't sacrifice rooting for Christian 
at the success of the team and the players who are playing well. Yeah, I mean, those can be, those those can coexist, right? It's not either or. It isn't Christian Pulisic FC, but at the same time, we can be biased. We can hope for the best. We can want him to succeed and excel. I mean, we're very honest, at least, you know, just us talking after Grinsby about his performance. Um, this is totally a Devo tweet and not a Raj tweet from the Men in Blazers account, and you'll understand it when I read it. So, quote, one note on Pulisic and his absence from the bench, a sign that Frank Lampard does not appreciate his players talking to the press about their frustration at lack of minutes. Message is clear. Shut up, train hard, let your play do your talking, end quote. And I think that is something that is very straight from Frank. And, and, you know, Frank's talked about Christian a few times now, but he's not giving him a lot of words. And we've seen Fakayo uh, get time. We've seen Reese get time. There's a lot of guys that impressed in training and then got time on the pitch. Uh, and that'll be the same for Christian. He's going to be given every opportunity to succeed under Frank Lampard if he's doing what he needs to do. And that is the best case scenario as well. This isn't about favorites. This isn't about um, being in America, you know, or being an American and, and xenophobia. All of that is just kind of crazy talk. Frank Lampard so far has proven himself to be extremely fair uh, and the best play and, and end of conversation. So yes, we've got time. Uh, Simon Johnson uh, uh, published quotes from Aspie Laqueta talking about Pulisic after the match. Here's what Aspie said, quote, he is working hard at the training ground. As the manager said, we are a group and all important on this long path. It's a long season and we are still only in October. Sometimes the manager has to make decisions, end quote. And honestly, John Andrews, 84 on Twitter, I loved this. He says, Pulisic isn't the first player we bought who wasn't a regular from day one. Ivanovic and Aspilicueta are two examples off the top of my head. He will become a regular in time like they did. Nick, pulling the words out of your mouth. And I just think that there's, um, you know, every season there's kind of this um, group of martyrs that are willing to die for something. And right now, Pulisic is their, is their cause to die for. And uh, it also puts unnecessary pressure and probably just annoyance on him uh, from the media pressure. Because right now, the one question that Frank is guaranteed to answer in every presser until the end of this Pulisic timeout is, what's wrong with Christian? Why don't you play him? Is he broken? Do you not like him? And it's is just going to be this nonstop <laughs> thing. You know, no, it, it is. It is. It, it's it's a shame that it you know it hasn't gone perfectly or whatever from that perspective. But you know, again, you can root for him, and you should. I think he's. I think he's more than talented enough. You can make the strong case that Pedro or William haven't done enough to to totally cement that spot so far this year. And that when you look at final third production in Premier League matches that they played, that they're about all square. I mean, to be completely frank with you. So you could, you can make those arguments and then you can look at what's happening with this team. You can look at what's happening, Dan, with this team compared to United and Arsenal and Tottenham and say, huh, maybe we're onto something here. Maybe there is something that's going on. And then finally you can look at the squad and understand that there are a bunch of matches, probably up to 60 some odd matches that this team is going to play um, 
throughout the year, and that's that's without going deep into you know Champions League, that there will be times where he is going to absolutely be needed off the bench, or he's going to be needed to start a game to spell some of our starters, and all of this can happen at once. It's just going to require you as a fan to understand that and and take that and be okay with it. I mean, here, here's the thing: Pulisic has 277 minutes in the Premier League this season. William has 325. Pedro has 243. They're they're not that far different. Uh, and to the point you're making around final third production, I mean, William has two goals in his last two games, and that's more than what Christian has offered currently. Yes, he's gotten an assist, but I mean, goals it's are what we've three needed. assists, three assists. Um, but in the last two games, William has two goals. So if you're looking for final third contribution. William isn't making it easy. Uh, neither is Christian to choose one over the other. And I mean, I think that's where Frank has to be the person we trust in. And Frank has taken us to three consecutive victories, um, which is a great run of form. So I'm going to continue to trust that the right selection is being made. And again, you know, it's a long season. Callum's just got back healthy. William looked like he picked up a little bit of a, a limp coming off, probably, hopefully, just tightness. Pedro has looked a little rusty at times and you know, everyone's going to get opportunity. It's what you do with it. All right. So, um, wrapping this up because it's been a full episode so much for an abbreviated midweek podcast. (laughs) There's just too much to talk about. Uh, the Dan of the match pool, you didn't put any options, Dan, clearly you're slacking and you left it open ended, but what did the comments? What did the comments uh, speak to you? Well, I feel like the goalkeeper union got on that thread and just uh, hammered it. So I'm going to blame the Russian bots and maybe some Ukrainian bots here. But uh, Kepa, overwhelming favorite. Tomori was second. Uh, a couple of interesting shouts for other players as well. But that was what it came down to. So the Chelsea FC Twitter account ran the poll, and they had Tammy, William, Fick, and Alonzo. Uh, Fick won. But in the comments, it is Keppa. Where's Keppa? Where's Keppa? What's Alonzo doing there? My admin probably just mixed up the Spaniards. You know, my minor fat finger on that one. Don't worry about it. Uh, but Fit getting a ton of love today, and understandably so. Uh, so Nick, group table. We're in group H, as the British H. pronounce it, which <laughs> drives me crazy. But I still love you. Um, how is group H looking? Well, uh, it's looking really good if you're Ajax, who have six points. Um, they are cruising right now. They just beat Valencia uh, 3-0 today, um, so that was good for them. Uh, so they have six points and a uh, plus-six goal diff. Uh, Valencia on three points with a minus-two goal diff. Uh, Chelsea on three points with a an even goal diff, uh, but Valencia ahead of us on the fact that they beat us. And then uh, poor old Lille at the bottom, um, they have a minus four goal diff with zero points. So, um, so yeah, right where we want them, Dan. At least you can feel good about Lille potentially nicking points off the other teams in the group, which I think is important. So, Dan, uh, let's end with you giving us the probability of Chelsea advancing to the lucrative knockout stages. Well, as it stands, so that you take these from 538 and they have a soccer power index and you know you can read more there, but they cuz they do it more justice. But as it stands, Lille is uh, 5% likely to advance out of the group, Valencia 42% likely uh, or most probable to f- go out of the group. 
Chelsea at 63% probability to make it out of the group stage and Ajax at 90%. So the path forward is simple. Just keep on winning and we will make it out. That is the best way to do it. And as it stands, which I don't know why you'd leave this out, we have a 2% chance of winning it all. You know what? We've uh, we've had smaller odds and we've done it. So you know what? Just uh, that 2% is all I need to believe in. It's, a, it's important to remember, too, the next two matches are away and home versus Ajax. So, um, you know, while Ajax are sitting pretty right now, they also haven't faced us yet. And I think it'll be really important to win at least one of those games, but preferably both. And that would put us squarely in the driver's seat. Yeah, great shout. All right. Well, uh, thank you all for joining us. I hope you're... F- Thursday, Friday, whenever you listen to this is fantastic. Um, glad we could, you know, come back to you guys stateside, uh, having our microphone set up back at the desks and everything. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, but that'll wrap it up for this episode. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.